We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and three, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Boys, offense, defense, special teams. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Radio. This is Derek C. Pauly here with Michael Stewart after a big week in Rams football. But guess what? Michael wasn't here on this week. So we get to get his point of view on plenty of noise, to- noise, no news to talk about. But first things first, Mike, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man, I'm doing well, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. What are you here? <laughs> Should we say the announcement for later or now? Ah, we can get out the way. I was going to say, what have you been up to? Like, oh, listen, the, the, the elephant in the room. All right, Mike, what have you been up to? Well, uh, I was very blessed to be offered, uh, well, interviewed a few times, and I was offered uh, the job of my alma mater in Bakersfield. Uh, so I'll be a new head coach at Bakersfield High School, Bakersfield, California, a.k.a. the BHS Drillers. The Drillers. Congratulations. We kind of knew this was coming last week. Kind of at least thought it was. Yeah, yeah. No, you can never take anything for granted. Right. But now you all know we made that reference at the end of the, at the, end of the episode last week that uh, this is where we were going here. He's been getting 
putting some feelers out. This one kind of caught me off guard a little bit. You have this business going on with detailing. Yes, sir. You're podcasting with us. And all of a sudden now your world is flipped upside down. Yeah. So I guess I'm three in one now. I'm a podcaster. I'm a detailer and also a head football coach. But as obviously as we get closer to the season, it'll be a little less detailing. <laughs> a little bit less detailing. Get that thing going now. And you're does that mean you're going to be teaching too? Absolutely. Absolutely. I will be in a classroom uh, pretty soon. Uh, that's the best way I feel for a head coach uh, on a high school to have a, a more profound effect on the students and the student athletes. So that means this podcast right now, at least on Sunday nights, is hosted by two school teachers. There you go. Oh, boy. Class is in session. Class is in <laughs> Okay. All right, folks, we do want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. You'll also find our podcast with Clutch Points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out at clutchpoints.com or download the app. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave five-star reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out, especially, hint, 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 if they are five stars. Don't forget, we have other shows on the network, Rams Uncensored, which really, I mean, seriously, it's uncensored, folks. These are Rams dudes who just talk all kinds of trash to each other. They, they harass Rams Twitter, you name it. So if that's your cup of tea, that's where you go. Also, we have Budding Heads. And, you know, we'll see what's going on with Rampage Radio and, and Norm as well. They got some shows coming down the pipe. All right. So... You missed out on some fun this week. We, we podcasted earlier in the week, and we got to talk about Blake Bortles signing as a backup quarterback. It was pretty good. And then, and then two other things happened. First, first, Clay Matthews III signs with a club. And what apparently now is less than $5 million a year in base salary. Okay? Uh, which was not detailed out. We thought it was originally totally tolling about 16 mil, 16.75 mil with incentives, 12 and 12 mil or so. So six mil, so six and a half mil per season come Thursday when we podcast, we podcast without you because you were like totally like doing our things. Can I pick on you there a little bit? All right. And now we know it's under five. Okay. And then of course, of course, Malcolm Brown. Now he's back as well. And we got him on the cheap, two years, less than $2 million. So I guess the first place I want to go, Mike, and get your thoughts here. What? Well, I mean, let me do this two ways, Mike. What were your initial thoughts on getting Clay Matthews? And did your mind change knowing you got him a little cheaper? Well, initial thoughts was, wow. Uh, you know, sidebar, uh, his younger brother and my son played together at a school out here called Oaks Christian. And so got a chance to be around Clay and the family a lot and, you know, watch his forays into walking on at SC and then won the scholarship and then becoming one of the more prolific players in the NFL. So if nothing more or nothing less than PR, it's a great PR move. Guy coming back to sunny Southern Cal, played at SC, played out at Agora, which is about 10, 15 minutes from the practice facility. Uh, so a big name out here, out West, uh, and I think we got a solid player. You know, Clay's very active on the defensive end. He can play a little inside, play a little outside, which is interesting because now we may have a log jam at the outside linebacker position. So it'll be interesting to see where they actually end up playing him. And that's what I was wondering, too. I was wondering where they're going to put him inside, which was some of the talk when he was in Green Bay. Will Samson Ebicom move inside? and he'll go out the edge. How are they going to rotate these guys? We The one thing we know is Dante Fowler is going to be on the edge. So where's everybody else going? And, you know, how will the Rams work that out? Something tells me they have a plan, though. Can you think maybe you have a plan figured out in all this, Coach? <laughs> well, I would think, uh, you know, Mark Barron no longer, so he could easily be an upgraded situation, at, you know, as far as more physicality at that position. So maybe they're feeling he's going to be able to fill in uh, and be able to play where Mark was playing, you know, maybe not so much the cover aspect of things, but to be able to be more of that run stopper. And, you know, Clay has still, you know, decent speed and, you know, he's real active in there between the tackles and he can make play. So 
I would imagine Wade is going to be able to scheme up some things where he's coming from the inside, coming from the outside, and, you know, maybe they have Dante and him switching positions at time to throw off the offense. So it looks like they are thinking ahead of the game in the sense of being able to have these interchangeable parts. And that's kind of good to have, at least flexibility. I mean, we can be honest about that and go, well, flexibility is a great thing to have in any sport, let alone on the football field, especially with defense. Now, were your feelings changed at all when it came down to, well, they're paying him $6 million plus now to under five a year? Well, there's a reason why, you know, and I would say the biggest reason why is being a being able to be back out here at the maybe the ending part of his career. You know, Clay has always looked like a guy who maybe wants to get into motion pictures. He has that type of personality, maybe WWE or what have you. But with the connections, you know, with his family, having been from here, you know, having attended SC, I would imagine he ha- he's going to have plenty of opportunity off the field that could counteract whatever salary he's making in football money. Well, that changed my mind, actually. I was a little bit more concerned given the amount of money for a guy who struggled. And immediately, I got to tell you, Mike, over the last couple of days, I've had numerous people message me, and they messaged me the film done by Brian Ballinger that shows it's actually the film against the Rams where he definitely got after Jared Goff some and made some great plays, especially on through the tackle and even up the gut. And I get that people are arguing, look, he can still be that guy, but it was really the the paycheck coming down, you know, to help give some some cap space in there, making it to me more worth the risk for a guy who I don't exactly think is going to make all that big of an impact. Money matters. And it's worth the risk, especially if Wade Phillips can retool him a little bit and get him back out there to at least, you know, somewhere where he once was. Well, that's that's the X factor, Wade Phillips. And what we do know about Wade, he can he's been around this game a long time. So he can take basically whatever he's given and he can scheme up something to make the defense effective. Uh I think what you have again with Clay, still have a guy with a good motor. But you gotta remember they started You know, when you become a seasoned veteran and you've been playing with guys and the next thing you know, the guy that you are used to lining up against is no longer there. And in your mind, you're going, well, wait a minute. Why couldn't they pay that guy? Wasn't that much money or what have you? So though you go out and do your job, you just don't have the same maybe umph, if you will, for the organization to maybe go that extra mile that you would have knowing that they they are at least giving the impression that they're caring about the players, the team, winning, cohesiveness, and all those things. So I think sometimes a guy like Clay, you've been in an organization a long time. And again, this is Southern sunny Southern Cal, and you know he's playing in Green Bay. So though you may get somewhat acclimated to that below frigid weather, it's nothing like being able to play in, you know, 60, 70 degree weather in the in the late fall. So I would say that Clay is probably going to look like the younger Clay, uh, at least for this next season. Well, you have to think, too, it's got to be good for your body to not have to deal with all the cold, especially as you get older. I mean, geez, when it's 10, 10 degrees outside and 20 degrees outside compared to 67 <laughs> degrees, right. it has to do wonders for how your body feels. It has to. It has I mean, to. well, you know, you've been there. You tell me. You were you you played in Green Bay. You got oh, to yeah. experience I mean, West, like was, in Cincinnati. Was, absolutely. And and you know, Green Bay is 13 below wind chill factor and all that good stuff. And just the fact that it's that cold, you're just okay, no one's supposed to even be outside, let alone why are we out here <laughs> playing a football game? You know, the ground is frigid and so yeah, there's only so much that the human body can do in that type of weather. I'm just thinking on a normal school day for me, the school teacher here in Ohio, exactly. if it is zero degrees 
or 10 degrees and you got that wind chill factor down to minus 10, minus 15, minus 20, exactly. where we are, we're canceling school. I know some places like, you know, when I used to teach in North Park, Colorado, it could be minus 50 out there wind chill and they're going to school. But in most places that are, you know, with semi-sane people, you start getting 10 degrees, you know, normal Fahrenheit, and then you get the 15, 20, 30, 40 degrees below zero. You are not going anywhere. And yet you expect these football players to go out there and do that. For a 34-year-old guy, 33-year-old guy, I have to think that on the football field come November, December, when he's had the the privilege, <laughs> really, to, to play in a place like Los Angeles, it has to be better on your body. It just has to be. Well, and maybe I'm talking myself into this sign a little bit more. Well, no. Think about it. What else plays a factor? Winning and losing. Well, what was Green Bay doing last year? They weren't winning that much. So you add that into not only are we now out here in this freezing cold, but we really don't have much to play for. That plays into the psyche as well. But there's also nothing like, because knowing their family, they're a real close-knit family. So just for that fact, he's going to be playing in front of his family. And we have an old saying, at least at the Stewart household, when you're ever out and about and you're going to do something, just don't embarrass the family. <laughs> so I would see that his motor is going to be running. He's going to be maybe five years younger, just the fact that he's back around familiar, uh, familiar uh, surroundings, family, the weather, it's the Rams, you know, up and coming. You're playing for a great coach. The organization is all on board and the fact that they want to sign you. So I'm sure that played a lot into it. And the other thing is we don't really know what the incentives are. Uh, so he could easily make up that money in incentives. I just heard you saying it's about the family. I'm thinking, geez, is Mike gone the godfather? <laughs> is that, it's about the family. It's so the- I, need, I need to cut that clip out and make sure I use it in another podcast. It's about the family. There you go. <laughs> okay, so the second thing that happened this week is the Rams were faced with a decision to keep Malcolm Brown, match what the lines are offering, and, and by the numbers, it's a pretty sweet deal. By matching, they actually save money than rather than having to pay what the tender was. So, how do you feel about that? And and you know, on the flip side of that, that probably means they're not bringing back CJ. Yeah, I, I, you know, I saw some things, some commentary on CJ. He's a little frustrated right now, figuring, you know, or according to his words, he's feeling a little disrespected. But, you know, obviously getting uh, Malcolm back uh, is awesome for, you know, again, just just some good purposes and, and continuity. And but he's going to be asked to do a lot more than probably last year. So hopefully he's getting ready this off season. So he'll actually be ready to go to make a difference come season. I just wonder again, it's the injury factor for the, for Brown. I've always been concerned about the injuries with him. He is to me at talent wise, what he can do in the football field. He can start in this league. I believe he could be a thousand yard rusher. The guy just struggles to stay healthy. And when you have Todd Gurley with arthritis in his knee, which we're going to talk about more at the end of the episode here, that worries me a little bit in terms of besides that, you have John Kelly, you have Justin Davis. Are these the guys you believe in can help carry your running game when you're trying to win a division title or, or go deeper than that? And that's what I'm worried about. And that's what I'm thinking, man, I wish they would have brought CJ in. I wish, but Malcolm Brown, if he stays healthy, you don't need CJ. True, true. But that's, that's the difference. Do you go the known factor? Uh, a CJ, a guy who can, because of his size, he can get it in there and, and do some things. Uh, but I think overall what the Rams are looking for is someone that looks more like Todd Gurley, who can get outside on the stretch, uh, catch the ball out in the flat, you know, make a guy miss in the open field, you know, run inside when necessary, but not always uh, a high dosage of it. And have enough speed to, you know, break some tackles and and get the ball downfield. So, I think with a combination of things, and and again, you know, I don't know what uh, CJ's cap number would have been, but again, when we're looking at all these things, money's going to play into it, no matter how well the player is, 
or what he's done for an organization. A lot of times, unfortunately, it's just it comes down to the dollars and cents in the cap. That's actually what I'm thinking. We don't know what he wants in terms of money. And it may not fit what the Rams are willing to do right now, especially when they're so close to that cap number. Somebody's going to sign him, though, right? Somebody's going to go get him. I have to think that. I would think so. But again, these are the things, you know, why was a guy like that who seemed so effective for us even available? You know, so there's something in that. Is he just a two game, three game type of guy? Or according to himself, he just wants an opportunity to be a 16 game guy. Well, is something is is it your weight? Is it something off the field that we don't know about? Because the CJ we saw is like, well, this guy will get snatched up as soon as he's available. And for some reason, he's still unsigned, even though he played a great role and did well in the time he was with was with us uh, this past season. So it's just interesting to that a guy like that hasn't signed yet. I mean, is it his age? Maybe it's his age. Maybe it's a combination of his age and certain things in prior history. I don't know, but it just seems odd that a guy who seems that he produces when given the opportunity isn't getting getting a better opportunity to be already signed. And, you know, again, the earlier you get a guy signed, you're, they're into your offseason program. So it's one thing at least you know they're going to be ready to go at camp in, in the summer. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you see these guys signing late, then you're only subject to have those guys really been keeping in shape and things like that. That's going to be the big question for LeVon Bell. Uh, some guys have had him uh, ballooning, uh, his weight ballooning. And then other people say that, no, he's in shape. Oh, he hasn't missed a year. So that's going to be a big question for him, even though it looks like he got decent money with the Jets. Oh, yeah, but you know what? A year without contact can be good and bad, in my view. A year without contact probably heals your body somebody. A year without contact, I mean, I would think that would also hurt what you're used to what you're used to being going through on Sundays and what you're used to dealing with. And all of a sudden, you're used to that contact all over again when you've been so far away from it. So for Le'Veon Bell, I think there's going to be some adjustments real quick for him. Well, I definitely think it'll be some adjustment, but think about it. He's someone who runs forward. So getting your physical attributes and, and your feet and all those things running forward is a lot easier than someone like a defensive back. So a guy like him, he's going to get acclimated quicker, even with the hitting, even though camps aren't as physical, the mini camps as they used to be. But just the fact that you're running between getting hit with a bag, you're getting hit with this, you're doing mm-hmm. football type drills. Now, when you come to camp, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, getting in some drills and as we say, popping the pads and, you know, he should be fine because again, running backs like to make you miss. So they're not really trying to get hit anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there you go, folks. There's the whole drill. We've gone through the, all the frames this week. And now we got to talk about our sponsor, the wonderful Jim Hawk. Been a great friend to us. Has taken care of us on just as a great, just a great sponsor. Period. Just thanks, Jim Hawk. He's got he's got this book out, and sooner or later, Mike's going to read it. I, I, Mike, I got to send you my copy. Maybe that's it. I got I got to send you my copy. Some Sunday reading this year as you're getting ready to coach. I don't know, but <laughs> Hollywood's team, great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norman Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hirsch, Tom Fierce, and Les Richter in this story span the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hallwisteam.com and on Twitter at hallwisteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood's team through various other booksellers on the internet. Everyone, I've read this book cover to cover. Sooner or later, through harassment, Mike will read it too, I promise, okay? It's worth every penny in the meantime. Just trust me. Check it out. Oh, and you know what? 
It helps out Homeboy Industries. That's where all proceeds go. Homeboy Industries is a charity that is aimed and geared towards getting people out of the gang life and into living constructive lives in our country. Okay? Doing great things. That's the goal. Okay? So trust me. Check it out. Hollywood Teen Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. Okay. So, Mike, free agency slowing down now. And the draft is coming near. There are still some spots on the roster that have not been filled in. There is limited cap space. In your view, what do the Rams do next? Do they hold Pat and wait for the draft? Are they looking for sweet bargains with their limited cap space? If you're them, what do they do? And what positions do you think they're going to start hitting up first? Well, you know, it's always if you can possibly get a guy through free agency that fits the numbers, that can be an advantage because you've had an opportunity to evaluate him on the NFL level against NFL players. And you have probably some good history that you can talk to the team he's coming from, maybe some of the other teams a guy has played against and get a lot of feedback. The thing with the draft, which is always nice, you have fresh blood, hopefully energetic players excited about being in the NFL and you can kind of mold them into the teammate that you have. So if I'm the Rams, you got to figure out, you know, where you want to go in regards to do we need another receiver? Is cut back full strength? Do we need another guy to maybe stretch the field? Do we need to get a back in the middle round, second, third, fourth, or fifth round uh, to really be a backup in case something unforeseen happens with Gurley. And then I think you still need to shore up some depth on the old line and even possibly the secondary. So to me, there's a number of, of things that the Rams may do or need to do. But again, it de- determines on the draft. You know, what I love is, you may have a plan, but depending on who's picking before you or after you or who moves up, it then throws that maybe out of sync and you have to change direction in an instant. So, But the draft is always a good place uh, that you can get a guy that you can kind of bring in and mold. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what direction they actually go. Okay, so what you're, you're basically saying is it's time to focus on draft is what you're saying. Go there. Yeah, I, I think so unless, again, it, it goes into whatever your plan is for the offseason. You know, early on, you remember we talked about uh, Sean McVay being an offensive coach. Maybe they're going to put their money on the offense. Well, they've signed some defensive guys. So then you go, okay, well, we've signed some guys on defense. Does that mean now when the draft comes up, we're going offensive guys? You know, because maybe it's a little bit of a shorter learning curve for an offensive player to just be able to come in and make more of an impact early uh, as opposed to a defensive guy. So I guess it takes us to our mailbag because that's actually the first question. Here you go. This is from Eric Dreyer at E-D-R-Y-E-R, E Dreyer, 4356 on Twitter. He asks, who's priority in the draft? And he quoted back, he means by positions. And do you pick in the first round or trade back? He goes, I'm hoping for hoping they go for Dexter Lawrence from Clemson at nose tackle with the first round pick. You ready, Mike? Ready. Okay, so if you're going to pinpoint positions, you mentioned a couple of them. Let's, let's go ahead and put them in stone here. If you're going to pinpoint positions right now, you're focused on the draft. What are your top ones? My top ones is probably going to be receiver, running back, D-line. You see, that surprises me because they seem like they're set at receiver. Why? Well, what do you mean set? We have Brandon, we have Woods, and we maybe have Cooper Cup, and we have the young man who filled in for Cooper Cup. Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds. But just looking at Josh Reynolds, he may, he doesn't seem to be me to be a slot guy. He seems to be more of an outside receiver because he doesn't have that shifty Cooper Cup type of movement, you know, in the slot. And so, and with Brandon Cooks, because he, I believe, has the most speed, he seems to have more of a build 
for a slot type receiver. So to me, I'm, I'm going to probably find a guy who's like a, be t- a a tweener, if you will. He's not really a long strider, and he's not so small uh, that he's just automatically a slot. He's going to be in between that. And then now we have a guy, just in case, Cooper's not up to full speed. So it's really interesting you say receivers. Where do you go take this receiver? First, second, sorry, first, you know, third, fourth pick? Where do you go? I'm, I'm thinking not a first, definitely, but maybe a, a second, third pick. Uh, if those are available, you can find great value and great quality at those picks. And sometimes with the, as they say, lower picks, I, I don't know that any round is lower. I know there's one through seven rounds now, but those guys sometime at the lower rounds just have a little more grit and a little more drive because usually just like if they're getting drafted that late, they've been guys that may have been overlooked somehow throughout their high school, college career. So they come in with a little bit more of a urgency and chip on their shoulder to, to prove themselves. So you mean kind of like Cooper cup, right? Absolutely. That's a great example. So, well, the Rams have their one, they have their threes. I mean, are you saying, well, hey, let's move back from the first and go back, you know, move back in the first if you can, hopefully get a couple of second rounds or a second or a third. What are you looking for them to do right there to make those picks? Or if you don't want them to move back, where do you want them to go with that 31st pick in the draft? What are you hoping for? You're, you're definitely hoping for someone that's going to come in and, and help you out right away. And so, you know, some offseason needs may be, you know, outside linebacker that's been taken care of. Safety, you know, we signed a guy, but we could have something. But yeah, you want whoever's in that pick to be able to absolutely come in and make a difference. See, for me, I'm looking at receiver. I think they're okay. I am looking at the offensive line. I'm looking at defensive line. Uh, in particular, where they put in Brockers and where and who's going to be at the end. And then, you know, we haven't talked about it much. We probably should. Cornerback. Because after this season, a large portion of the Rams' cornerbacks are free agents. And they may need to re- rebuild that core for next, for 2020. And so that's what I'm thinking of your top three. Running back, I can understand. Wide receiver, I'm, I'm trying to jump on board here. I think it really depends on how, the, how comfortable the Rams are with Cooper Cup's recovery here. Are they seeing stuff in his rehab that looks good or are they thinking, you know what, we better go get somebody. I wish we could be a fly on the wall in physical therapy and, and tell, but for me, that's where I'm at. I mean, it's tell me there's something wrong with my thinking here, you know, or am I just, am I just a little bit special on this? No, I, I don't think at all. The only reason why I kind of say receiver is because look what kind of happened to the offense down the stretch. When Cooper went down, you know, Gurley had, you know, a couple games in there, but for the most part, he became less and less effective. Now, now we're, they're saying that, oh, it could have been because of the knee, but there's a lot of difference when they're now absolutely able to key on you and stop you from doing what you can do more easily when the field is more spread out. So that's the only reason why I'm saying that, because, again, Brandon became a little less ineffective as well. Uh, it seemed like the offense became a lot more predictable. So when we try to run those fly uh, sweeps with with uh, Woods and things like that, there weren't there wasn't much running room and things like that towards it towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. So I'm thinking I have a head coach who's Ooh. offensive minded. And he wants to get the ball up and down the field and now use the passing game to set up the running game. That's the only reason why I'm thinking they're probably going to go receiver. I mean, a receiver wouldn't surprise me. It depends on what they see out of these other guys like Kadero Hodge and so on and so forth. I do, I do wonder about Cup and his recovery. All signs seem to be good. At least that's how the team's portraying it. Over the next few weeks, we're going to hear more and more about who the Rams have talked to. Who's been coming to visit? We've heard about running backs going to talk to them. We've heard about you know, defensive tackles going to talk with them. And so we'll see. I mean, offensive linemen have gone to visit them as well. Dalton Risner was on a couple weeks ago. We know that he went and visited the Rams. 
Okay, so the other this next mailbag question: Will the Rams? I, and I think you may know that. I know you're, you know, being part of the Legends community out there. You, you know, sometimes hear things. This is not a football question in terms of on the field. Yes, this is Juan Huerta at Juan VH13, and I thought maybe you'd know. I'm not sure. Will the Rams have a training facility headquarters at the new Inglewood site, or will they continue to be at the Thousand Oaks site? Well, I've heard two things. Uh, one is they love it out here in Thousand Oaks in the sense of it's far enough away from Inglewood that guys can live out here in great communities uh, throughout, whether it's Thousand Oaks, Agora Hills, Westlake Village, even some guys live down in Camarillo. Uh, it's just a lot easier, less hustle and bustle in the facilities right here. The second thing I've I've heard is that they have bought up a lot of land right there by the where would the new stadium be, and they were going to turn that into a practice facility so that it was closer in proximity to uh, the stadium. The thing is, if a lot of guys are already out here living, now they're going to be on the highway driving back and forth, and in this traffic, you know, you're talking where that facility, it could be easily two hours a day going one way, two hours coming back in traffic. So my assumption would be they're probably going to just stay out here because you have the facility near Kowloon, and then you got their corporate offices in, in Agora Hills, which is a couple exits up this, up the road. Yeah, and there's some articles out there, you know, like The Athletic did an article back in November talking about how Thousand Oaks is no longer just where the Rams practice. They, a lot of the players feel like it's home. So, you know, there's an article just a couple of years ago from the Daily News talking about how the Rams play in L.A., but they live and work in Thousand Oaks. So they seem to be embedded embedding themselves in the community is probably a good idea too. give those players some sense of peace outside of the the daily hustle and bustle of la life where they can focus on football absolutely absolutely and you kind of get the best of two worlds because as they're building a connection with the community at large in this area uh you know it's easy for people to drive in for the game and then come back out uh, home to relax and do their thing. So I think they kind of get the best of both worlds if they keep the facility out here. It's just a lot easier getting to and from practice. And uh, from what I hear from some of the tow truck, tow truck guys who <laughs> have towed some cars, you know, some guys at that level feel like they can park anywhere. And so it's just <laughs> a lot easier to, you know, get some things taken care of. <laughs> You know, I can't blame him for feeling that way, by the way, <laughs> you know. All right. So this is from – these questions are similar, so I'm going to put them together. This is from Mike Villanueva on Facebook, and then also Justin B. at Utes and, Utes and Rams. And it's both addressing Todd Gurley. Now, we've talked about Todd Gurley on the show numerous times, but it's been a couple of weeks, and some people may just be tuning in. So we'll answer the question. Uh, maybe he wants to know about where the long-term implications – of Gurley's arthritis issue and will it severely affect his immediate performance? And also this, this is the Justin part. Do the Rams look to a running back in the draft as added insurance or are we confident enough in Brown and Kelly? Okay. So tackle the mic one first go. As far as the Gurley? I mean, in terms, yeah, the long-term implications of his arthritis and will it really affect his immediate performance? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's a, a big concern and because with something like that, you don't know how long you can stretch it out without it getting worse. Uh, but if we take track record from last season, you know, gangbusters all year, and then it just seemed like something – uh, as they say, the tires just kind of fell off the wheels towards the end, which would be a major concern because then how much can you work out in the offseason to prepare for the next season? So to me, that's a huge question in regards to longevity and now replacement. And so I would think from just a monetary standpoint, they want uh, – you know, my guy, they just signed to Brown to be able to step up and carry the load if need be, being a fifth-year player. You know, for me, I mean, I go back to what Vinny Bonsignori found when he wrote his article in The Athletic. The the doctor he had talked to, without knowing specifics, believed that he probably has like two good years left in him. 
two years of elite football. And that makes sense to me. That would be about two years. And if that does happen, by the way, I hope just for obvious team reasons, he would go ahead and retire instead of making the Rams pay all this money out over the course of time. But I'm banking on two years. I'm banking on two years of elite football. And I am also banking on the Rams preparing, drafting, and really preparing somebody to step in for his shoes when he leaves. And we'll see. In terms of the running backs in the market there, are they confident in Brown and Kelly? Do they go in the draft or not for a running back? I think you mentioned you thought they would. Yeah, I, I think they will in the sense of what you stated earlier. You know, there's some injury concerns uh, with Brown. And then, you know, is Kelly the guy? Because typically, if you've been on a team two years, they expect the two years, your second year to be a big jump that you would now be pretty much ready to be a starter and by your third year surely you've been there long enough in most teams mind that you should know the scheme well enough you know if you haven't had you know a bunch of changes in in scheme you should know know the scheme the coaches you should know the tempo you kind of know the schedule the travel you should know how to somewhat pace yourself and be effective across the board whether it's practice or in a game and be able to be a professional at this level to to do your job when called upon. So taking all those things into consideration, if they feel that you're not doing that by your third year, that's usually when you know you see guys either start bouncing around or you don't see them anymore. So it's really going to be interesting how this offseason goes and, again, how the Rams go in the draft because I think how they draft is going to tell us a lot about what they're thinking, you know, two, three, four years down the road. Yeah, I just look at it and go, well, don't forget Justin Davis. Okay, can't forget him there. So there's three running backs. I look at it and go, do you see Brown, Kelly, or Davis or anybody being a potential starter in two years? If you don't, go draft somebody and see who you can develop. That's just how I view it. Now, the only thing that concerns me about this draft is there really isn't that running back in this draft that speed-wise will scare you. You know, like Todd Gurley, his speed is what gives him that edge. And even in the playoff game, I know people talk about his knee. We forget he actually timed him at his fastest this season in the Dallas game, which is crazy. Now we know what he had, arthritis. And here we're going to find out he ran his fastest speed of the year in the Dallas game. It's bananas. So I, I go draft. I'm not even sure, though, this year, Mike, if this is the draft they go find a running back in. There's nobody to me that fits the prototype of what works in this offense long term. Well, it's interesting. You, you just made me think of something when you said that about uh, the Dallas game, which then would bring up, well, is it really the knee or is it something else? You know what I mean? Because for whatever reason, I mean, was it because CJ seemed to be playing so well and he was, you know, I don't know. So maybe it's more of that. And that's kind of what we don't really know. They're now putting it out there like it's the knee. But if common sense says, well, if it was the knee, certain things wouldn't have been able, you know, there's not that much adrenaline. You know what I mean? My, my feeling like is this, and I keep going back, you know, these games are a lot of stress on somebody. And, you know, when things like knees happen, and I mean, you've been there, you played the game. If something goes wrong, things can hurt you mentally. And I look at his body language from the Saints game and from the Super Bowl, a guy who was frustrated down and out. I think that mentally that knee injury hurt Todd Gurley. That's just my personal theory. I have no proof. Okay, I'm not trying to gossip. I'm just saying my my watching him on the field, me just observing him, showed me a guy who did not have confidence in his body during those games. That's just it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, I hope I'm wrong. Well, actually, no, I hope I'm, I hope I'm right, because if it was his knee the whole time, then we have a bigger problem. <laughs> but, you know, I just look at a guy who wasn't mentally ready. Right, and that could be the case. But again, remember, we found out that the get-back coach, strength and conditioning coach, uh, ended up, I guess, for lack of a better term. Getting in trouble. Yeah, being suspended and not there. Getting in trouble. So what if he was that confident builder guy for Gurley? You know what I mean? Because you just have some coaches that can walk up to a guy and say something and it gets them going. Or they're not going and they can say something and it just changes their outlook. So I don't know. Maybe that coach was was that for Gurley. And with him not being there, maybe it just had an effect on his psyche that now 
he's feeling just a little bit different or what have you. Because we saw, mm-hmm. you know, some er- uncharacteristic things that happened to him, you know, with the drops and fumble and things like that. And you go like, okay, that's interesting. And that was at the beginning of the game. So I don't know. You you look at all these factors, you just kind of only speculate on what it really is and Obviously, they're just not going to tell us. All right, guys. So that pretty much puts the end of the mailbag. I mean, you know, we'll try again this week, see if we have more, some more questions there. There's a couple more things we want to do. I also want to remind you that we are looking for sponsors for the 2019 season. Uh, you can reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a mini kit ready to get out to you. And also very soon, we're going to be starting a Patreon. So if you are an individual who likes our show, you can, you'll be able to contribute there. Get some goodies from us on the side. We have lots of ideas popping up for that. And no, we're not going to shoehorn down that, that down your throat. We're doing everything possible to keep this podcast free because that's what how it needs to be. It's what we do it for. But you know that'll be that opportunity available for you if you wish in the future. Okay, so the logo. <laughs> we had some fun. I ch- we changed the logo this week. We, you know, Rams Talk Radio has never actually had a logo. We just used the the Rams Talk head and decided it was probably time for us to get our own logo. Well. It's a little bit different, and I, it has a sword in it. So I asked our audience, Mike, why the heck I put a sword in there? And the best answer I, I decided would shout, we'd shout out on, on uh, the show. So there were two that were pretty entertaining. You ready? Ready. All right. So this is from Henry Bear at Henry Bear T, okay? And he wrote, this is good. All right. He wrote, long ago, the king of California left this kingdom and left this sword X, capital E, and X, Capital C, A, capital L, A, Burr, so Excalibur, Excal, Lay, Law, behind. A wizard put the sword in a stone in Hollywood Hills and said, only the true ruler of California can pull the sword out. The Black, the Golden Lightning, and the Knight of the Bay had failed. Years later, a young knight with horns came on the helmet, has drawn the sword and sworn that he will never leave his kingdom and rule forever in California. So that's what he says the sword is for. Big Mike at M-I-Z-I-K-E-1327 wrote, Because the sword has a double edge, just like the podcast, when you speak its word, penetrating the heart and mind, causing something to happen, just like the word of God. And capital G, so he did you know, the whole respect thing. So, Mike, which one was better? Go. Uh, I think Big Mike. I think Big Mike, the second one, is, is pretty pretty neat. <laughs> I, like, I like something... Uh... That, that penetrates. Uh, it penetrates the heart and mind. Yeah. <laughs> Straight for the soul. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Big Mike. Yeah, I like the idea of, you know, throwing the podcast in there. Also, though, you know, Henry Henry Bear, you know what? We'll give you a shout out to you, man. That was a funny story. I really enjoyed reading some of these. I really enjoyed them. <laughs> that was good. Uh, here's the truth, guys. And, a, you know, a couple of things. To me, a sword represents the warrior spirit. And everything about the Rams history that we know of the Rams in LA, especially, but also at times in St. Louis and in Cleveland, this is a franchise that has featured several warriors on the field, like Jack Youngblood with the broken leg in the Super Bowl, Merlin Olsen. Do I really even need to keep naming names? Deacon Jones, Todd Gurley. I can go, I can keep going. I really can. We've had several warriors out there who fought through injury, who fought through so many different things to play for this team. And also, I'm a teacher. And not only am I a teacher, I'm a history teacher. So as a history teacher who hosts this podcast, there's a little bit of historical aspect to it. So the sword also represents the fact that the host of the show is a teacher. And I'll just also be honest, I kind of like swords. I'm just saying. But anyways, the two million reasons that I chose those were the, the warrior spear of this franchise. We've had some warriors come in here and play the game for this for the Rams and just a small little symbol there. And of course the hosts of the show are both teachers now. And, and one of them happens to be a history teacher. So there you go. There's the reason behind the sword. So the mystery's out. Any closing thoughts say Mike? Yeah, hey, I just think that it's, uh, And for us here, you know, as we head towards draft now, I want you to know that over the, over the last couple of months, especially our staff has been putting out massive amounts of content 
on the website, draft previews, you name it, it's there. Our staff is the best staff we've ever had right here and right now. So go over there and do us a solid and read our stuff, okay, and share our stuff because these guys deserve it. They're really working hard to put stuff out for you, and we just appreciate anybody who goes both to our site, reads our stuff, or listens to our podcasts, even those weird ones like Rams Uncensored. You know, just got to say that. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can also find our group, Rams Talk Room, in Facebook because Facebook has this thing with algorithms that somehow shuts people out of our main page. So go to Rams Talk Room. We talk football in there. You can find me, Derek C. Paul, at DC Paul on Twitter, Michael Stewart at 1Duke23. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and of course, iebeatradio.com plays our shows on Monday. Sorry. Wednesdays, Saturdays and Sundays, not Mondays. One more thing. We just want to thank you, period, for taking time in the offseason to come listen to us. We appreciate everybody for everything they have put into our show and the support they give us means a lot. For Mike, this is Derek C. Apollo here at Rams Talk Radio. We'll see you later this week. Peace out. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.